Greetings and welcome. If you're listening and the spirit so moves you, please follow. And if you're watching, subscribe. With either, please like and comment. As I'm your grateful host, Dan Riley. A reformer who lived and worked in Germany in the 16th century helped to inspire events that would transform America four centuries later. He was a professor of theology, a priest, an author, a composer, and a monk. Not figuratively, but literally, he was a Renaissance man. His name? Martin Luther. Today he is known as the father of the Protestant religion and the crowning leader of a century-long religious reformation in Europe. Back in his time, the Catholic Church dominated religious life in Europe and to a large degree controlled the politics of many of the European nations. At that time, the Bible was predominantly available to Europeans in the Latin language only. Martin Luther believed the German people deserved to have a Bible written in their native tongue. So, eschewing the Catholic version, he translated the Bible into German, which had a profound and positive impact on German religious life and culture. Additionally, Martin Luther thought it ludicrous that a pope or other religious hierarchy be intercessors between a person and their God. What he found most offensive was the sale of indulgences. As crazy as this sounds today, it was common at the time for the Catholic Church to offer its parishioners a certificate of indulgence. By paying money to the church, one could reduce the amount of punishment one had to endure for their sins upon arriving in purgatory. For non-Catholics, in the Catholic doctrine, purgatory is a spiritual dimension one enters immediately upon physical death. For the expiation of their sins. On Halloween night, 1517, Martin Luther marched up to the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany, and nailed his 95 thesis to the door, thus lighting the flame of a reformation. A Protestant faith was born. A little more than 400 years later, a Baptist minister from Atlanta, Georgia, Michael King Sr., attended a Baptist World Alliance meeting in Berlin, Germany. It was there that he learned the story of Martin Luther. So impressed was he with the story of this German reformer, he changed both his name and his five-year-old son's name from Michael to Martin Luther, Sr. and Jr. Today, as we celebrate the life of Martin Luther King, I want to highlight some of the speaking attributes that place him firmly in the pantheon of America's greatest orators. Because he and his speeches were so imbued with passion, inspiration, and religious ecstasy, people often overlook just how skilled he was at the constituent parts that make for a great speaker. I'll play a few clips of King's most popular speeches and point out some of those overlooked specifics. In this first clip, King again demonstrates the power of repetition as a rhetorical device. With the video version of the podcast, you'll see how he wields a staccato gesture like that of an orchestra conductor to seemingly brand the audience with the words, Glory, Hallelujah. Notice how extended his arm is. There's no abbreviated gestures with Dr. King. Let's take a look. I know you're asking today... How long will it take? 
Somebody's asking how long will prejudice blind the visions of men? I come to say to you this afternoon, however difficult the moment, yes, sir. however frustrating the hour, it will not be long no, because truth crushed earth will rise again. Yes, sir. How long, not long, yes, sir. because no lie can live forever. Yes, sir. How long, not long, How long? Yes, because you shall reap what you sow. Yes, How long, How not long? long. How long? Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future. Behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. How long? Not long. Because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. How long? Not long. Because mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He's trampling out the village. Where the grapes of wrath are stored. Yes, sir. Yeah. He's loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. Yes, his truth is marching on. Yes, sir. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. Yes, he is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Yes, oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. Yeah. Glory, hallelujah. Yes, Glory, hallelujah. One should take notice just how clean a speaker King was. You heard virtually no speech defluencies. Ums, ahs, like, you know, I mean, right. And his use of the all-important pause was masterful. Martin Luther King is the only American other than George Washington to have his birthday celebrated as a national holiday. Additionally, he was the first African American to be named Time Man of the Year. And since his death, there have been over 1,000 cities which have named their most prominent streets after him. This second clip is part of his most famous speech, commonly referred to as the I Had a Dream speech. Here, he demonstrates how metaphors can make for soaring rhetoric. Of course, he uses his signature rhetorical device, repetition, several times, let freedom ring, I have a dream. Free at last. Additionally, a great example of extemporaneous speaking will be on display. Let's look at King in his I Had a Dream speech. I have the pleasure to present to you Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, 
A great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. This nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racists, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. And every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain. And the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is a faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith. We will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, 
We will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. Not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spirit. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Whirlwinds of revolt, seared in the flames of withering injustice, tranquilizing drug of gradualism. It is hard to find a line in that speech that doesn't contain a powerful metaphor. King's speechwriter Clarence Jones did not include the I had a dream block for that speech. But according to him, a famous gospel singer at the time, Mahila Jackson yelled out, Tell him about the dream, Martin! And of course, he did just that. Extemporaneously. The truth is Dr. King had used that I had a dream block several times in previous speeches. And because he was so well prepared, he created the illusion it was an effortless endeavor. Another great example of just what a skilled speaker King was. In this last clip, King once again displays a masterful use of rhetorical devices. He uses metaphors, repetition, powerful imagery, and one of his favorites, anaphora. Somewhere I read. All right, let's watch King's third clip here. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they have committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read 
of the freedom of speech, somewhere I read, of the freedom of press, somewhere I read, that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. So just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Among all the things King did so well is vocal variety. In most of his speeches, he starts out very slow, probably less than 100 words per minute. Then he gradually builds and sometimes would hit 300 words per minute. In addition to changing his pace, his tone, inflection, and volume all adjusted perfectly to augment his words. The two most important factors for developing or improving the skill of public speaking are practice and feedback. Martin Luther King had an abundance of both. During his 12 years on the public stage, he gave an average of 450 speeches per year. And because a good number of those were videotaped, he was consistently receiving ample feedback. King was a masterful storyteller as well. I didn't play them today, but his If I Had Sneezed and Drum Major speeches are both great examples of his storytelling prowess. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated on April 4, 1968. Curiously enough, he prophesied his own death in that clip we just listened to. He told the crowd of sanitation workers, I've been to the mountaintop. God has allowed me to see the promised land. I might not get there with you, but we as a people will get to the promised land. Martin Luther King is a required study for any aspiring orator. He may well be the gold standard. Well, for today, that's all there is. Please follow if you're listening and subscribe if you're watching. And with either like and comment, this is Dan Wiley taking you on the Odyssey of the World. Until next time, throw on those balls, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds. We're on the move now.